Well, today, you don't have to listen to me preach. Amen. There you go. That's the most amens I've gotten in years right there. But we are going to talk about the work that this church is doing. And when I came, uh, just a little trivia fact, I preached in view of a call six years ago this weekend. And I remember on the Saturday night before, Alan didn't tell me this was going to happen the way it happened. And they tell you when you're a pastor and you're going in view of a call, don't ever let them just open the floor for questions. So Alan just told me, we're going to have a little get-together on Saturday night. The church is going to be there. We're going to eat. You're going to give your testimony. And then Alan gets up after the testimony and goes, all right, anybody got any questions for him? And so in my testimony, I talked a little bit about missions. And somebody asked me the question, well, what do you mean by that? What do you mean we'll be doing? And I said, well, if I come to be your pastor, because at that time I had not, y'all had not voted yet. If you come to be my, if I come to be your pastor, one of the things we're going to do is we're going to go. Now, this church has a history of going. It's not like I brought a new idea. This church had been going to Chile and to Lynch and to other places, had been uh, involved in prison ministry and the help center. So it's not like I brought new ideas, but I just said, we're going to be a church that goes. And my understanding of that comes from the fact that we go because Jesus told us to go. Do you realize that in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just making sure you're listening. In all four Gospels, Jesus gives a commission to his disciples to go. Now, here's what's interesting about all four of those. All four of those say that they are to go, and he doesn't just say, just go. He gives them a specific goal. And do you know what's in every one of those commissions as the goal? The ends of the earth. If all four Gospels contain it, if all four Gospels have it towards the end after Jesus has risen from the grave as if to say, the whole reason I just died, rose again, and am now sending you is to get my message to the ends of the earth, then it's probably pretty important. Amen? And so as a church... I feel like as the leader, the one that God has called to pastor this church, that is my responsibility to challenge us to go and to go to the ends of the earth. Now, we take the kind of the philosophy of what we do in missions from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is the Acts 1 8 summer report, but Acts 1 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria. Into the ends of the earth. And there are specific places there Jesus kind of works out as he's about to ascend to the Father. And he says that we are to go to all of those places. And you can have one of two views of this verse. You can believe that either it is only for those people gathered around him at that time in history. Or you can believe that it applies to all who would follow that would come after I tend to believe that this verse was not just for a group of 20, 30, 40, or 50 that were standing there. Although they took it very personally and tried their best to take it to the ends of the earth by the time they were done. But I choose to believe that it is for every single believer who has ever been a follower of Jesus Christ. And if that's the case then we have to do what Jesus says. Amen? And so as a church, I feel that we must be involved in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And today you're going to hear two parts of that story. This isn't the full story of the mission endeavor of this church. This church is doing stuff here in this community, Gillisville Help Center, that at Mason's Motel, individual Sunday school classes, working with different projects and people. This church is doing things in our Judea and Samaria, Lynch, Kentucky, which is an ongoing ministry that is happening, you know, once, twice, three times, sometimes a month, every six weeks. We have people taking loads of stuff to Lynch, Kentucky to support a ministry there that is desperately needed in one of the poorest areas of our country. So today, you're not gonna, we're not going to spend time on those, although 
they're important, and we will spend time in the future on those. But today we want to talk specifically about two trips this summer. And the first one, we're going to start at the end and move backwards, is our Brazil trip. Now, uh, in that meeting that we had on Saturday night, some of you were at, I said specifically that my heart was for Brazil. And that's where we had, I had been, and that is my heart. Now, just first of all, for you all that are looking at that and thinking we misspelled the country, we did not. In Brazil, they spell it with an S. And if you go to Brazil with a shirt that has a Z, you know what they immediately know? You're a tourist. Right? And we have done that many times in the past. And so this year we got a new design and we wore T-shirts. If you see them and they have the S. We did not go to Rio or see the Christ statue, but that is what people think of when they think of Brazil. And one of the things that we do while we're there, and one of the things that's important, is we partner with local churches that are doing ministry in specific areas. There's a lot of discussion right now online about the effectiveness of short-term mission trips. And I will defend until the day I die the effectiveness of short-term mission trips. We have seen a city revolutionized for the cause of Jesus Christ. When we started going to Puerto Segura, and when I started going to Puerto Segura, it was one of the least evangelized cities in the nation of Brazil. And today, there is a growing evangelical Christian presence in Brazil in Puerto Segura that is undeniable. And it's because of work that churches like us have partnered with local churches in doing. There are thousands that have been impacted for the glory of God and have seen his kingdom spread. And this morning, I want you to hear from a couple of people from a couple of different perspectives. I'm going to ask them to come. Kevin uh, Steelman's going to come in just a minute, and then after him, Denise Cologne. This is Kevin's second trip. Kevin, you can uh, go ahead and come on. This is Kevin's second trip. He went before. Kevin served as our chairman of Deacons the last two years. And Kevin, uh, along with Bob, who's waving at you on the screen there, they, uh, they're our construction crew. And... Uh, they work hard on building, and Kevin will tell you a little bit about that, I'm sure. If not, I'll tell you afterwards. But Kevin uh, works on our construction crew, but, but you'll get an understanding that it's much bigger than that. Uh, after him, Denise Cologne is going to come. Denise, this is her first trip. And I, I asked Denise specifically to tell you about a story. She may tell you more, but a story that happened uh, while she was working in our Happy Feet ministry. Good morning. Or bonjia, as we say in Brazil. Yeah. Um, that's not the best picture. I, I would have picked a different one, but it's a good representation of what we do. So start off by, with a question that I get quite a bit or I've gotten. Said, Why would you leave the comfort of your home and the loving presence of your family to travel over 10,000 miles and spend a couple thousand dollars just to go to Brazil? Right. I've been asked this question since my first trip in 2011, and I'm sure I'll continue to be asked that trip. The Sunday school answer, and the one I usually give, is that, well, you know, God calls us all, and by us all, I mean Christians, to give up our time and our money and our talents to be on the mission of sharing his unconditional love, that undeserved grace that he's given me, and share the supreme power of all that the good news involves when you're a believer in Jesus Christ. And I mean, we let the Holy, the Holy Spirit convict us and um, you look at the so many, pla- so many places in Scripture, as Brother Lau just mentioned, of where it tells us to be on this mission. But then I just have to pause. Right? And I said, if that were true, then every believer would be on the mission trip. Right? Not just a small group that left the friends and family and many comforts behind to travel to a country where we don't even speak the language. Or the few that spent the 13 and a half hours on the overnight connection to Sao Paulo, or the few that joyfully ate rice and beans for lunch and beans and rice for dinner, right? Or the few that ministered to a town of people that live in a depth of physical poverty that most Americans cannot even dream of, or the few that worked alongside church members and pastors and lay people to wash kids' feet and to give them shoes and cleaned out the teeth of small children, taught them how to take care of their teeth and give them dental supplies, or provided adults with reading glasses, or performed a drama skit 25 or 30 times during the week 
to share the good news without ever speaking a word. Or labored alongside the Brazilian people to build a church and a Sunday school classroom for children. All of this while sharing their testimonies and the good news. Or the few that stepped into the homes and businesses of Brazilians to share the truth of God's word, to share those personal experiences we've had, to pray with them, and then also to worship with them. We're all, and by us all I mean as Christians, are called to be on a mission. Now it's true that not all of us are called to go to Brazil, but I was. And I can't understand it fully, but I can tell you that I was called to step out on faith. And at least for these two times, I answered that call. Someone once said that you never step in the same river twice, for it is not the same river, and he is not the same man. You know, this is true to the mission that we're called on. Every mission trip, even to the same place and doing the same things, is different. That's because it's not the same place and we're not the same people. The work and the blessings on this trip were different from the 2011 trip. The work and the way that God used me and drew me closer to him were different than in 2011. This trip, I was able to share my testimony in in front of a whole church service. This trip, I was able to walk and step into the homes of some Brazilian people and pray with them and pray with their family as a, a couple of them accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, at least made that profession of faith. So I do not have the words to fully express what happens when you walk on that faith and you share in that closeness with God. And it's not because I can't come up with the words, but it's because there are limits to what words can truly express. I mean, explaining the presence of God at work is too powerful and too amazing to be boxed in by mere words. That's why when you ask somebody from, that's been on a trip, that's been that close with walking in what God's asked you to do, that they can't really explain it. So when I'm asked why I went to Brazil, I have no definitive answer, except to say that I was called on a mission to give up my time, my money, and the talents that I have to be on a mission of sharing his unconditional love, the undeserved grace that he's given me, the supreme power of all that the good news involves when you're a believer in Jesus Christ. And that challenge now for me and for us, and by us I mean as Christians, is answering that call to be on that mission every day. So I want to thank you for the support you've given us through prayer and through fundraisers and through every support that you've given us to be on these trips. And I I just uh, I praise God for that, and I thank you. I want to tell you a little bit about our construction crew. Um, Gary Taylor, who has gone on these trips for 20-something years, says that we bring the smallest, most effective crew. Uh, We partner to build a church with two other churches that are much larger than our church. Uh, Inglewood Baptist Church in Jackson, and then a church in Orlando, you may have heard of, First Baptist Church Orlando. And they bring crews. But Gary says our crew is the hardest working, best crew, and it was three guys. They worked hard. I can tell you that. There, there, are some, uh, there are some trips where people talk about glorified vacations being mission trips. Uh, that is not what we do. All right? And that is not what these guys did. That, that wall that you see, they, they built that. That's, um, when I got there that day, they were, Kevin and Bob were at the top of the church putting the the final pieces up to the top of the roof. Um, carrying block manually. Randy Brooks is the block carrier. And the mud mixer. Uh, he does that. Bob Lloyd, who some of you know this, but some of you don't. Bob Lloyd is a bricklayer by trade before he became a history teacher. And uh, Gary puts him to work right away. They built a church. And they set a Sunday small room that they're going to use for Sunday school for kids that will have an impact for the kingdom of God for years to come. And it's an amazing work to see when you get there, not much being done. Gary left some heavy lifting for them for the week, seeing what they do. But not more than that even, 
as Kevin kind of mentioned, at the end of the week, they go into the homes of the guys that have been working alongside of them, the Brazilians, share the gospel with them, hear their testimonies, and see guys give their hearts to Jesus for the very first time. So it's an amazing thing to watch. Denise is going to come. And Denise, at a service, I think, like this, a report service, how many years ago, Denise? Four? Four four or five years ago, in a service like this, Denise came down front and said to me, I've got to go. Denise is a principal, and they seem to somehow schedule the mandatory principal training at the exact same time of Brazil every year. Last year, she said, I don't care. I'm going. And so Denise went, and I want you just to hear a story from her and testimony about what God did in and through her this past summer. As Lyle said, one of the things that um, I felt God's calling to go to Brazil four or five years ago, and something always got in the way. And I prayed and prayed and prayed every year that the schedules would work out, that um, I would be able to go, and and um, that just wasn't happening. And so finally I thought, okay, you're, you're coming up on those years of thinking about retirement. You're just going to have to go and hope for the best. And when I scheduled, uh, when I said this year I'm going, the principal's meeting, first of all, let me go back. God works in miraculous ways. But he, um, the, the meeting for principals was not scheduled at the same time as Brazil. So I was so excited that burden was off of me. I was going to get to go to Brazil. I'd been saving my money uh, to, to pay for the trip and was getting really, really excited about it. And lo and behold, the principals meeting was changed to the very week that we were going to be in Brazil. And I had to ask permission, get permission from higher up than just my immediate supervisor to go on this trip. But I wrote a letter about this trip, about this mission and about this calling. And and fortunately, God spoke to whoever gave me that permission and I was allowed to go without any um, um, repercussions from that. Um, Let me read a scripture that's going to kind of precede what I'm going to say. It's from Colossians 4, verses 2 through 5. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And that was an opportunity that God gave me the week we were in Brazil. I was in the feet ministry, as you can see, and we were in little cubicles. There were three of us, and we had an interpreter with us at all times. And so I was in the um, center cubicle, and so I could, excuse me, I could hear what was going on on either side of me. And throughout the week... um, I would hear people being led to Christ, praying, asking Jesus, asking to know Jesus. And I would share my bracelet and and what Christ meant to me and my walk with Christ. But I had not had the opportunity, I thought, to actually have anyone accept Jesus into their heart. And we were having devotionals throughout the week and and going to different services throughout the week. And I just kept thinking, did you send me here and I'm missing the opportunity? Did I not come prepared? Did I not come with the right heart? Maybe there was a reason all those years I wasn't supposed to be here. And on the last day, and it was our last day, we were only going to be there a half a day. And and they did the um, opening service prior to kids coming back to the different areas where we were going to serve them. And I kept, uh, so I had a little time after setting up my little booth, I had a little time prior to uh, the children and their parents coming back. Now, the parents always came with their children. The child would be in front of us, and we would talk with them and that was easy for me very easy for me even though I didn't speak the language but I got pretty good at some of it 
But they were in front of us, but the parent was right there listening to everything and hearing everything. And I would, I, I just sat um, in this little outer area prior to us starting. And I said, God, this is the last day. I feel like I've missed an opportunity or two because I wasn't prepared or I didn't follow through or I didn't uh, do what you had asked me to do. If the opportunity comes today, don't let me pass it by. Make me brave. Make me stand up and say and do what you want me to do. So the, the morning started, we started going through um, serving the children and, and uh, giving them their shoes and, and the looks on their faces. It's just amazing. I, as Kevin said, there's mere words just can't explain uh, the joy these people carry for what we do for them. And so it's just, you, you can't explain that. But I was um, talking to one child, and I was sharing the bracelet with them and, and Christ, um, Christ's life and, and sharing what he had done in my heart. And the parent, I, I looked at the parent and I said, are you a Christian? And she said, no. And I thought, here's my opportunity. Don't pass it by. And I asked her if she understood about what Jesus, who Jesus was. And she had been in, uh, in, in some churches or been to a church. She had heard of Jesus. And we talked about that a little bit. And then I asked her if she wanted to uh, pray and, and ask Jesus to be a part of her life, for her to be one of Jesus' children. And she said, yes. And I could hardly get through the prayer. <laughs> um, but, and, and, and she prayed and we, and we hugged and her, her child was listening. Her child was probably, I don't know, maybe I, if I remember best, six or seven years old, was listening through all of this. But we prayed. She accepted Jesus and uh, became a Christian that moment. And I, the joy in her heart the joy and eyes and the joy in mine, I don't know which one was more. Um, afterwards, she, she left and went to the next area that she was supposed to go to. And I had a new interpreter that day, new to me. Um, all the rest of the team pretty much knew him. But I just broke down crying. And he, was, he looked at me like, what's, you know, <laughs> sort of like, um, okay. Um, but he, I explained to him what I had prayed that morning. And he, he, he just immediately, we prayed again. We prayed again. Uh, and I, I, I don't ever, I think coming back from Brazil, you can't just leave Brazil there. You bring it back with you. And one of the things that I want to always be aware of God's going to give us those opportunities. I don't want to let them, I don't want to pass by one again. I want to be ready, and I want to be able to do what God asked me to do. So I'll look for opportunities, but also those opportunities that just come my way, I don't want to let one pass by. Thank you. Thanks, Denise. I'm going to ask the Brazil team that's here to stand up. These are the people that represented you. Fifteen of us went. We're missing a couple, but this is the team that went. And if you would like to know, they won't be able to tell you. Like they said, like Kevin and Denise have both said, words can't express. But if you would like just a glimpse of what God did... The best way to get that is through each individual that went because God did something unique and different through every individual. So thank you, Brazil team, for going. I'm going to have Jeff come up now, and he's going to lead us through a, a testimony time, a, a share time about um, Exfuge and what happened in Houston, Texas when our youth went this summer. Well, we're excited this morning to come and just share a quick word with you uh, about our Exfuge Houston trip. Um, if you're 
kind of wondering what the word exfuge is. It's it's kind of a take on infuge. Most of you in here probably heard about infuge or heard that term in, in years past. We've had many um, youth groups long before I was uh, ever here on staff that have gone to infuge. And simply what fuge is, it's a, it's a student camp offered by Lifeway. And and it's a camp where um, they, they have a lot of different versions of it. But it's it's students who go and they get to do some fun stuff and they get to do some some Bible study, uh, and they have a, a time of, of worship every evening. But what makes Infuge and Exfuge different is that um, if you go to Mission Fuge, instead of doing a lot of that fun game and rec time stuff that most students enjoy doing, when you go to Infuge and Exfuge, those times are replaced with um, mission work. And uh, instead of our students spending two and a half hours every day uh, out on the rec field playing games and hanging out. Um, our students spend five and a half to six hours at different work sites um, wherever we go. And, and what makes Exfuge special is that uh, all of our youth group, our entire group that we took, got to stay together in one group and got to do mission activities together every single day. And so... Um, this year we went to, to Houston, Texas for uh, a couple of reasons. Number one, I let the students pick where they wanted to go this year. Uh, our, our youth council, I said, hey, here's where Fuge is being this year. Where do you want to go? And so, of course, they look on the map and found the one that was the farthest away from us and said, we want to go here because we haven't been here before. And I was like, idiot. Uh, so next year, maybe not so much. Um, but... Uh, it was okay because, and, and here's the reason why we're, we were okay with that and the fact of, we, we're big with our student men. Our students will work. Um, our students will get out and get their hands dirty and do what they need to do. Um, and, and right before, about a month before we went to camp, we did an event here in town called G-Fuge, um, where several men in this, in this uh, room this morning helped plug in with our students. But our students spent a week of going out and getting their hands dirty for those people in our church, in our community here at home. And, and I think that's really important. And our students also think it's really important for us to not only um, do mission work at the ends of the earth, but also to do mission work here and do it at home. And our students have a love for that. Um, and, and, and they've grown in that love for that. We always joke around the first year that I did G-Fuge, we started it back with Mike Allen, which was three years ago. On the Monday of G-Fuge, we had 13 students show up. By Friday of that week, we had like four show up. and we're, But that night, we went to play laser tag, and we had 25 show up. And so we had to come to Jesus' meeting about if you can go play laser tag, you can come get your hands dirty a little bit. And since then, the Lord has just burdened their heart. And at G-Fuge, all week long this, this year, we had at least 30 to 35 students here every day, plugging in, working hard, sweating, cutting down trees, trimming bushes, doing all kinds of stuff. So, so I don't mind getting up here and singing their praises a little bit because they do work hard. But, but this year we went to Houston, and, and, and Houston, it's a very unique city. It's the fourth largest city in the United States. And, and it's different. It's much different than New York City. It's much different than Los Angeles and Chicago, which are one, two, and three. Houston is, is still a city that it's very um, widespread, and it, it's still pretty easy to, well, it's supposed to be easy to drive and maneuver around. Traffic is a lot like Nashville traffic at rush hour all day long. Um, but uh, it was a, a unique opportunity to get our students also outside of the southeast, outside of the Bible Belt. And uh, we wanted our students to kind of see what life looks like, um, what ministering what for Jesus looks like, what being in the hands and feet of Christ, what it looks like outside of the state of Tennessee and Kentucky and Georgia and kind of where you turn down a street and you're probably going to find a church. And, and Texas is still a heavily uh, churched area, but it's also an area that is one of the most poor, um, poverty, crime-ridden cities in the, in, in the country. And um, our students have got an opportunity to do some different things each day, and I'm going to let you tell a little bit more about them. Um, and we've got, we've got three young ladies that are going to come and share with you this morning, and it's three ladies that are... Um, God has done some amazing things in their lives in the last year. We've got uh, one young lady who just graduated from the youth group and is heading off to the wonderful world of college. And uh, we're excited at what God's doing in her life. Another one of our 
ladies that's going to speak is getting ready to become a senior this year and she is already stepping into some leadership roles in our youth group and we're excited about that and then we've got one young lady who's going to be an upcoming junior this year who again god's just doing some amazing things in their lives so you can imagine as a teenager this is an intimidating place to come up and stand and talk so i just need you guys to smile at them real big the whole time they're on up here so that they don't get scarred for life about talking in front of the church okay so just give them give them a nice big grin when they come up but um megan norman is going to come and speak first megan had a unique opportunity this year she got to go to both brazil and uh ex-fusion houston so she's going to share with you just a few minutes about both of those trips and then following megan rebecca winsky is going to come and share and following rebecca caitlin brown is going to come and share Houston was very interesting, very hot. I mean, I was born in Texas, but I only lived there like a year, so I was a baby, and I didn't really remember. Um, going down there, it was very different to see because the part of Houston we were, you saw different, I guess you could say, a different side of Houston that you would think. I mean, we did see more people walk, kind of like if you go to downtown Nashville, and you see like more of the homeless people and more of the homeless side of Houston. So... Going through the week, what we did, um, Monday we went, was it Monday or Tuesday? I don't know. We worked in a yard. We did a lot of yard work. We did a lot of um, just pulling weeds. This man's backyard, I mean, it was like you wouldn't even know it was a yard. It kind of looked like a jungle, to be honest. And so we pulled weeds. I mean, we, we went to a nursing home. We worked in a thrift shop, and we... Um, what I did in the thrift shop, I got to sort hamburger patties and put them into baggies, and I got to have tomatoes, and I got to put the tomatoes in a baggie. So that's kind of like some of the stuff we did. Well, the thir- Thursday was, I think it was one of our last full days. We got to go to apartments and play with kids, and that was, that was amazing. I mean, I love working with kids, and I think it's the greatest thing. And so, I mean, that's the day that I think almost everyone was looking forward to. So... When we were debriefing, our group leader, she was telling us about, like, everything that we were going to do. And, like, you have to be careful because um, if you have, like, a bottle of water or something, all the kids will want water. And you you got to be really careful with that. And so she was just telling us, like, things to do, things not to do and everything. Well, she's like, hey, I need someone to tell the Bible story. And I'm sitting there. I'm just like, okay. And everyone, like, it's, it's just really silent. Like, you can't hear anything. And so I hear a little voice from the, um, from like the other side of the room. It's like, someone's like, Megan should do it. I was like, what? <laughs> and, and I'm like, what did you say? And everyone's like, yeah, Megan should do it. Megan should I was like, okay. And so she's like, do you want to do it? I was like, sure. <laughs> and so, I mean, I've never told a Bible story to a group of people. Like, I mean, one-on-one, yeah, but a group of people like, kind of like this, never done it. And it kind of freaks me out. I'm not going to lie. So, I mean, right as she said that, I was like, okay, what do I do? And so like, I grabbed my Bible and I'm like looking for a Bible story. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) um, I got to get something. And I was trying to think of little stories that would appeal to kids more and everything. So, I mean, something that came to my mind was Daniel and the lion's den and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so she said that we could also act it out if we wanted to. And so I was kind of thinking along the lines, well, if they want to act it out for the kids, then I need something that will actually go along with that, and that will be easy to act out. So I went with the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the burning furnace and everything. Well, <laughs> so we got there. And I, this was like kind of in a five to ten minute span of like being told that I'm going to do a Bible story, and then we have to leave and go and get on the bus and then go to the apartments. And so I was kind of freaking out. I wasn't really prepared. I didn't know, like, you know, I don't talk in front of people often. So it was interesting. So I was on the bus. I was taking notes, and I'm, I'm getting all the stuff that I need to do for my Bible story. And finally we get there. And um, I was, I mean, I was freaking out on the bus. But, like, I was just, I was kind of, like, kept praying about it. And I was just like, all right, God, you, you got to give me the words because I am freaking out, and I don't know what to do. And I don't know. Just talking in front of people is not my comfort, comfort zone, as you can tell. So... We got there, and we started playing with all the kids. And at first, there weren't a lot of kids there. But as the day progressed, we got a lot more kids. And we had lunch beforehand. And then after lunch, we all did the Bible story. And so 
I got them down. We got to sit down, and I told the Bible story. And, like, during the time I was telling it, I was kind of nervous, but it, it, like, it went away. And so I was just very thankful for that. But um, I was so nervous. I was like, these kids are not even going to know, like, <laughs> like if I'm, if I'm making sense. Like, what do I do? And I had this little one kid in the row who, like, helped me out so much because every time I would say something, he's like, and he's like on his toes. He's like, "What happened next?" And I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, I'll keep going." And oh my gosh, it was so funny. But I mean, it was amazing. I love working with those kids. They were great. I mean, we got to work with the kids in Brazil as well. And I mean, that is, I think that is one thing that God has shown me that I have a passion for kids and I love working with them. Um, one other thing that happened was that night at the ending ceremony, we had um, our pastor was talking to everything. He was talking about the crucifixion of Jesus. And one thing he said when he started talking was that, look, I know I'm going to talk about the crucifixion and everything, and that you've all heard it before, but I'm going to tell it again. And please don't zone out, because this is important. And like a normal teenager, I was like, okay, let me just listen. And as he was talking, he was talking about how um, brutally beaten Jesus was and how mangled his body looked after he was beaten. And hearing that, it gave me a whole new perspective of like how much he did suffer for us. And it just gave me a whole new perspective of everything that he went through for us. <laughs> I'm <gonna sit> now. Well, um, what I have to share is very similar to Megan's, and pretty much everything she talked about is similar to mine, but I'm not so good with kids, so that wasn't really my highlight. (laughs) But the first thing I noticed when we got there that week is that everyone was just really excited that we were there, and the leaders were so excited to welcome us. And um, although the campus itself was just exciting to be there, um, going to our work sites made the week just truly amazing. And my first memory, like Megan's, was working in the yard of someone's home. And um, me and a couple other people, we saw a woman standing across the street waving at us. So we walked over there, and she was just talking about the neighbor and just how long he'd lived there and that they were probably the oldest two in the neighborhood that had been there the longest. And um, so she was telling us that She'd been diagnosed with cancer and that the next week she was going in for bone marrow treatment. She said that she'd been praying because she'd been extremely nervous and she just wanted a sign that everything would go okay. And it was amazing to me that God had put just our little group of people in her path right before she was headed into what could be the scariest time of her life. So Rebecca Delaney offered to pray for her, and we prayed with her before we left. And I don't think I've ever seen anyone more grateful for a prayer than she was. And later that evening, we went to visit in a nursing home, and there I saw a woman named Evelyn, and I talked to her, like, the whole time. She told me about herself, and it was cool to find out how alike we were, even though we came from completely different places. She told me about the church that she was in when she lived in Louisiana and about all her favorite songs. So needless to say, when Jeff and Wendy got up and started singing, she was singing louder than anybody else. So I said, well, it really looks like you like singing hymns. And she's like, oh, yeah, I know all of them. (laughs) Um, The second day, our group was split into smaller groups, and I was with Megan sorting out the Rotten Tomatoes. And we had the chance to talk with a couple ladies who were really involved in the homeless ministry in Houston. And it was really eye-opening to hear all the stories about just how many people could use some help in that city. And the final day, like she said, we had the chance to work with some kids in an apartment complex. And I really learned how open children are compared to adults when it comes to the Bible. And they were extremely interested in all the stories that we had to share. Several kids were asking why we were there for them. And then it was just amazing to see parents and children actually respond to what we had to share. And I think my favorite part of that day is there's a little girl who kept wanting to paint everyone's face, so I had her paint mine. And then Mike Allen was standing there, but he wouldn't do anything right then. So I said, Mike Allen, come here. She told me she wants to paint your face. So she takes her hand and dips it in, like brown and black, I think, and just smears it down both sides of his face. Um, 
And then the one moment in the whole week that really stuck out for me was the night that the pastor was preaching about Christ's death, like Megan said. And it's something I've heard about many times, but the details he used aren't quite the ones that I heard every time the story is told. It made me feel extremely uncomfortable to hear exactly what happened. And I knew Christ died for me, but hearing exactly what happened was just very unsettling. And I had to sit there and write and just keep my mind busy because I like was so uncomfortable just hearing that. And by the end of the week, I came to realize that my relationship with the Lord would be all or nothing if I truly wanted to have a fulfilling relationship with him. And I feel that the one way I can actually repay him for that is to let other people know that he's done it for them, too. So camp has been an amazing experience, and I pray that others will have the similar experience when they're in youth. My camp experience was a little bit different than theirs. They were both going into it excited about doing things for others. Well, I have an issue with thinking of myself before others. I like to think I'm the center of attention a lot. And um, going into camp, I realized that I'm not. And so we got there, and everyone was so excited. And I was just like, why are you so excited? Like, you are idiots. Like, no one cares. Like, these two are way too happy for me. Like, calm down. And um, that night, the, um, the guy was really talking about how when you go into the work sites, you have to start thinking about others and about their lifestyle, not yours. Because when you go in, you're going to see people who don't come from the same background, who are very... Um, challenged like they don't they don't understand things the way we see them here like getting food whenever they want um having parents who care about them and the lord kind of spoke to me and said you're not the center of attention you don't you need to start loving others before yourself and that night i went to jeff and we prayed and when i told him like um, what God spoke to me about. He didn't, like, try to come for me or anything. He said, let's pray. And so that's when I knew that he had, he had known for a while that that's what the Lord needed to be speaking to me about. Um, the first day, we went to the, um, to the nursing home, and we went to an Alzheimer's unit, and the, um, the people were singing along with us and all this, and every song that ended, Mike Allen was just going up and down the aisles, just like praising the Lord like crazy. And I was just like, what are you doing? And all of a sudden, this lady stands up, and she's like, I just really like you. Like, she kept flirting with him, and I was like, whoa, Mike Allen, calm down. And, um, and to see him interact with the people, it really showed me that I, I have so much to learn and that... Um, that you have to get out of your comfort zone before anyone's going to see Christ through you. The next day, we went to the thrift store, and I was a bagger. And um, the person I was working with, she was very, um, she was very nice and like comfortable talking to these people. And I knew that once she told me, and I felt like I was at home still. She told me to stand up straight. She was like. You're, you're going to, like, start walking like this when you get older. And I was like, oh, sorry, my mom tells me that all the time. And the people who would come through, they, they wouldn't just, you know, most of the time we just sit it up there not thinking of the price. And this one lady came up there, and she said, how much is this? And she was, like, shaking, like, nervous. And it was, like, $2 or something. And she said, no, I just can't afford it. And then she was, like, getting all this stuff. And, like, she took 10 or 12 things back. Like, she couldn't afford it. And it opened my eyes to whenever I want gum, I just stick it up there, not thinking of the price, not thinking of my mom and how she has to work for that. It just made me realize that I'm not, that I'm so blessed with what I have. And then we went to the apartment complex, and it was me, Maggie Sternberg, and um, Mitchell Buttry. We were walking around to all these people, and uh, like to the doors, and we were like, do your kids want to come out? And every time we would go before a door, I'd be like, Mitchell, you're going to protect me, right? Like, you're not going to let anyone, like, take me or anything. And he kept saying, yes, yes, I'll protect you. And so we get in there, and he kind of, and I, I bang on the door, and I was like, so who's going to talk? And they were like, not me. So I had to talk to him. And 
it was crazy the fact of these people just let their kids go with us. Like, we opened the door, and they were just like, oh, yeah, we'll get their shoes on, and I'll send them down there. Like, the parents didn't even think twice about who are these people they're going with or um, what, what, what we could do to the children. Like, they didn't think about it, and it was just weird coming from a sheltered home to where my mom has to, like, meet the parent before I go over to their house. And, um, like, I don't really, I'm not comfortable with you going over there. And these parents were just like, sure. And I just remember specifically, there was three little kids, and they were the first three that came to us. And they, all of a sudden, they started holding my hand and, like, pulling me, like, let's play this, let's play that. And I was just like, how could you attach on to me so quickly? Because I know if someone comes up to talk to me, I'm just like, I don't know you. Why are you talking to me? And I, my eyes were open magnificently to the fact of that people need help more than I do. And I'm not the center of attention. The fact of these people need love, and I show myself more love than I do to them. God opened my eyes to so many things that I've never seen before. And if you ever get the chance to go on a mission trip, I would advise it. Hey guys, so if, if y'all know me at all, you know two things I really hate doing are standing up in front of people and being emotional, so we'll see where this goes. <laughs> so I got the opportunity to go to Brazil and Houston this year. They were both amazing opportunities, and I'm really glad I got to go. Um, starting with Brazil, <laughs> I'd wanted to go for three or four years now, but this year it finally came through and I got to go. I was really <laughs> I was really excited, but I was really nervous about going. I wasn't really sure what to expect about it. Um, when we got there, it was amazing seeing how some of those people live and the conditions they live in. I'd never seen something like that. It was really eye-opening to me. Um, it really made me see how thankful I should be about the stuff I have here and how much some kids really don't have. Um, being down there, we, I worked in all the ministries, I think, <laughs> while we were down there at some point. My favorite was probably doing the shoes. I loved that. Um, giving those kids shoes was a lot of fun, and they got, sharing the gospel with them was fun. <laughs> um, part of the time, I worked in the dental with Miss Julie. <laughs> um, doing that, I've never seen kids so happy about getting toothbrush and toothpaste. When I was younger, no. I, I did not like that stuff. I did not like dentists. I did not like brushing my teeth. So those kids, they, look, they were so happy about it, and I, that was really shocking to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did the Redeemer skit a lot, um, <laughs> like probably ten times a day probably. But um, giving the bracelets out to those kids and explaining to them what the bracelets meant and everything, that was really cool. Um, so, yeah. I also went to Houston, and it's like a different world down there as well. Like, it's nothing like it. it is here. Um, we saw things like we saw, maybe not to the extreme of Brazil, but we saw people who lived in conditions that I would never have thought of. Um, when we were down there... <laughs> Me and Laura worked in the thrift shop together, and we ended up sorting books and writing down all the names and everything. Seems really kind of boring, but it was actually pretty fun. And the person who we were working for had classes coming in there every day that they were, she was teaching them how to work computers and fill out job applications. And she really had no time to do it, so it was really rewarding for her, for her to have us there. Um, another day we went and we worked in the yard at that dude's house and <laughs> yes, okay guys. <laughs> and across the street there was a lady standing there and her name was Deborah and she was waving at us and we're like, okay, so we should go over there and talk to her. So we went over there and talked to her and we found out that she had cancer and that she was going in for bone marrow treatment soon or was hoping she was. And she was telling us her story, and it was amazing to see that God put us in that position to talk to her. We prayed with her, and 
I don't know, obviously, what she ended up doing, but I have faith that she did it, did what God wanted her to do. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much all I'm going to say, guys. Bye. I want to tell you that one of the most exciting things for me about what's happening in our church right now is what's happening in our youth group. Um, Jeff Kelly is doing an amazing job with the workers that he has. Hear Mike Allen's name mentioned all the time. It's an amazing, so excited about what's happening. And uh, we see throughout the church people getting a vision for God wanting to use them. Acts 1-8. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Here's the decision you have to make. Is that for those few people back when Jesus was there that were standing around him? Or is that for us? And if it's for us, we can't pick and choose which parts of that we like and obey that. We obey it all or we don't obey it at all. Simple ways to be involved. You pray. You pray for people here. You pay for people in our state, in our nation, and in the world. You watch the news through gospel-centered eyes. And so instead of just saying, man, I can't believe that's happening, we pray. You give. Some of you have given, and we say thank you. Without your gifts, these trips could not have happened. So thank you. But you think about how giving can impact the nations. And you go. There's no age limit. We don't set age limits on our trips. If God calls you to go, then you need to go. So I just ask you, what does it mean? And then we're going to sing I Surrender All. And then we're going to go, I know we're a little late, but that's okay. We're going to sing I Surrender All. And I just wonder, what does that mean for you when it comes to Acts 1-8? What does that mean? Next year, we're not going to Brazil. And we're not going to Houston. But we are planning a major trip to a city here in the United States. And we're going to need prayer, and we're going to need support, and we're going to need people. Our youth group are actually going to help lead out in the trip, and we're going to go to Los Angeles, to one of the most unevangelized cities in North America. And we're going to begin the process of partnering with churches to pierce the darkness there. So as you're thinking about what 1 Acts 1-8 means... And what I surrender all means in light of that. I just wonder what your part in that will be. What your part in our local ministries will be. What your part in Lynch will be. What is your part in seeing Acts 1-8 come true?